Well, good morning, everyone. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter six. We're going to be looking at verses eight through twenty-three. If you're using your pew Bible, that is on page three twelve. Page three twelve. Now, as we come to this passage, as we'll read in a few moments, you'll be able to imagine the frustration that the king of Syria is feeling in this passage. By way of background, every single time that the king of Syria has planned a raid into Israel, the Israelites are waiting for him. Going to steal crops from Ramoth-Gilead, There's an extra patrol present going to harass the king at his palace at Jezreel. Well, he's decided to take his vacation in Megiddo. He always goes to Jezreel this time of year. What has happened? What's going on? How about ransacking the temple at Dan? Where are all the golden utensils and lampstands? Where has the golden calf gone? They're hidden. It was like Israel knew what the king of Syria was going to do even before he knew what he was going to do. They were always one step ahead. All of his evil plots were foiled and he is now getting to his boiling point. The first three verses of our text tells us why it is that this is happening. It explains that as Syria made plans to raid Israel. Elisha would feed that information to the king of Israel. Verse 10 says, Elisha used to warn the king of Israel so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. Over and over and over again, the evil plots of the Syrian king were derailed and his devious little minions would have to return to his lair with their heads hung low, their tail between their legs, and report on another failed mission. You see, what the Syrian king didn't know was that he was surrounded. This is why all of his raids into Israel were failing. Now, he wasn't surrounded by a foreign army. He was not surrounded by spies. Rather, the Syrian king was blinded to what his eyes couldn't see was that he was surrounded by the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God of Israel. And that is what our text is teaching us this morning. That is what the Lord is seeking to communicate to us His people this day. God has you surrounded. Every thought you have, He knows. Every place that you go, He is there. Every move that you make, He has ordained. There is nowhere that you can hide. There is no soundproof room that you can enter into and to which He cannot hear. There is no distant country to which you can travel that He is not there with you. There is no army that can assemble, that can resist His will. Every single one of us is surrounded by God. To those who oppose God, this truth is frustrating, suffocating. But to those who love God, this truth is comforting And encourage you. And yet, wherever you are with the Lord, you will come to see this morning that you are truly 
surrounded. So hear now the word of the Lord, 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servant, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me. And I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you this morning and we pray, O Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would no longer be blind to your presence, but that we would see and know and experience and trust that you are with us. We pray, O God, that you would bless both the reading and the preaching and the hearing of your word that it might build us up in faith and comfort and holiness through Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. Amen. 
British Prime Minister during World War II, Winston Churchill, once said to the King of England following the war, it was thanks to Ultra that we won the war. Ultra was a top-secret operation to decode the German communications that were encrypted on the Enigma machine. While the war for ground, air, and sea raged on, there was another war that was occurring, the war for information. And once the British cracked the code of Enigma, they gained the upper hand in the battle. They were able to respond to Rommel's moves in North Africa before he made them. They were able to see where the German U-boats were planning an attack before the attack occurred. And according to Churchill, it was this battle for knowledge that turned the tide of the war. The Allies had to surround the Nazis with knowledge before they could surround them with their armies. Now, as we return to the 8th century B.C., and the Syrian king is in his war room, and he has his generals surrounding him, he has his maps laid out on a long table, aides bring them the latest information about the war, and he wants answers. How is it that Israel is getting their intelligence information? Of course, he assumes that there's a mole, that there is a spy amongst them. Someone must be leaking information to Israel. One of his top men must have been on the take to the king of Israel, feeding him information. There's no other way to explain what's happening. So we read in verse 11. If you look down at your text, it says, The mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled. Because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? Right? Who has turned on his country? Who has turned on his king? Who is the spy? But the reply comes back in verse 12. Look down. It says, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Now, I'm not sure exactly how this servant knows what's going on and why he hasn't thought to bring it up earlier. And yet he knows the truth about what is going on. Elisha has access to everything you say, king, even your pillow talk. You're surrounded, king. Everything that you say, Elisha hears. Now, we understand that it's not Elisha himself that hears. It is the Lord who hears and knows everything. And the Lord reveals it to his servant, to his prophet. For the knowledge of the Lord has no bounds. He knows everything. The Word of God tells us in Psalm 139, You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. The complete and exhaustive knowledge of God surrounds us all. There's nothing that you can say 
or plan or even think that the Lord does not know. Every single detail of knowledge that there is to know, the Lord knows it. Without effort on His part, in one single action of knowledge, the Lord God of the universe comprehends everything that ever has been, is, or can, or will happen. When it comes to knowledge, we are hemmed in, as Psalm 139 says. God has us completely surrounded. And the Word of God this morning is seeking to open our blind eyes to this reality. Even what you say and think in your bedroom at night when you think that you are all alone, even there, God knows. Now for those of us who love the Lord and seek His ways, this knowledge is encouraging. It's a comfort. It's a refuge. Christian, you need to have your eyes open to the reality that all wisdom and understanding is in God. And to you who have been united to Christ by grace through faith, you have access to such knowledge. You who have been given the Holy Spirit, you have been given the gift of knowing the One who knows all. There is no problem in your life. There is no situation that you face that the Lord does not know and does not understand, for He surrounds you with His knowledge. But for those who oppose the Lord, this is rather disturbing. This means that only a fool would plot against God. Only a fool would try a covert mission to undermine the purposes of the Lord. And yet, the king of Syria does just this. We read in verse 13, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. Now let's just step back for a moment. He has just been told that Elisha knows everything that he plans, even in the secret of his bedroom. He plans to capture him. He remains blind to the fact that God has him surrounded with his knowledge. And so he tries to plan something secretive, even though God knows all things. But he is not alone in his foolishness. We read in Psalm 2, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. But He who sits in the heavens laughs. God laughs at those who think that they can plot against Him and His purposes. Those who set themselves against the Lord will be shown to be the butt of an eternal joke. That fools would seek to outsmart the all-knowing God. You cannot withstand His wisdom. You cannot come against His understanding. Every single one of us are surrounded by God's omniscience. That is, His knowing of all things. Now, we've all heard the saying, when the cat's away, mice will play, right? And apparently this is also true about my dog, Bay. Now, when I'm present, my dog is calm, he's obedient, 
He rarely barks and he never chews. And yet, it's reported to me that as soon as I leave the house, he turns into what we call the nut puppy. He barks, he runs around the house, he knocks into the furniture, he knocks over the children. Now, every once in a while, I'll show up at an unexpected time when he is acting up, not knowing that I'm home. And when I call his name, his whole demeanor immediately changes. He sits up. Because when the authority is present, his behavior is modified. The first thing that we saw was that we can be blind to God's knowledge. We don't realize that he knows all things. But the next thing we see is that we can be blind to God's presence with us. Can you imagine the surprise for the citizens of Dothan? They go to bed one night. Everything is fine. They've been protected by Elisha's wisdom and insight. But this morning they wake up, go out to get the morning newspaper, and they're confronted with a terrifying sight. The army of Syria has surrounded their town in the middle of the night. What are they to do? How are they to survive? The servant of Elisha runs in to tell him what is occurring. And then we read Elisha's response in verses 16 through 17. Look down and see what he says. He says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The horses and chariots of fire are a sign of the presence of God. You see, just as we are surrounded by the knowledge of God, we are also surrounded by the presence of God, whether we see it or not. Throughout the Bible, we have the continual promise of God's presence with us wherever we are. He says through the prophet Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see, the presence of the Lord is ever around us, even when we don't see it. His presence surrounds us through the ministry of angels, as we see here in 2 Kings. An army of God's angels has surrounded the army of Syria. We read of angels that they are given for our protection. In particular, the protection of our children. The angel of the Lord shows up throughout the Old Testament and he goes before the armies of Israel to give them victory. And the ministry of angels continues even to this day. We do not see them. We are often not aware of their presence, yet they are ministers sent by God for our good and protection. And even more so, we have the presence of the Lord with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Word of God tells us that He came and that He dwelt among us. That He joined Himself to the flesh of humanity and He even became our brother. 
And He promises to those who are united to Him by grace that where two or three are gathered together in His name, that He is present, that He is here, that He is with us. He promises His disciples that He is with them even to the end of the age. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Our eyes are blind to this fact, but they need to be open to the reality. Christian, do you know that Jesus Christ is with us even now? You might think that He is gone, that He is away, but the Word of God tells us that He is here. He is present with us even now. And the Holy Spirit of God, proceeding from the Father and the Son, has been poured out upon us. And He has come into our hearts. Even as we remember this day, as we commemorate Pentecost, the day in which the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. He is our comforter. He is our healer. And by His power, He collapses whatever distance may be between us and the resurrected Christ. And He joins us to the very presence of the triune God. For if you have the Spirit, you have the fullness of God dwelling within you. But the problem is that so often we do not have eyes to see it. We're blind to the fact that we're ever surrounded by the very presence of God. We look out on the troubles of this life and we fear. Just as the servant of Elisha called out in verse 15, so do we call out, Alas, God, what shall we do? The answer? We don't need to do anything. Besides, have your eyes open to see the truth that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. We have the angels of God. We have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit with us. When you're in times of trouble, whatever it may be, you don't know how you're going to pay for your car repair. You're waiting for the results of a medical test. You can feel that you're about to enter into another bout of depression and you don't think that you can walk down that road again. Whatever trouble is surrounding you, you need to pray that God would open your eyes to see that even though you are surrounded by your enemies, your enemies are surrounded by your God. Now, just as this servant goes from blindness to sight, we also have an army of Syrians who go from sight to blindness. Elisha prays that his servant would see, but he also prays that his enemies would go blind. And both prayers are answered. The text tells us in verses 18 through 19, you can look there, it says, So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Now we can assume that the Syrians were not actually physically blinded, but rather they were bedazzled, they were bemused. Not that God could not take their literal sight. But rather, what it means when they are blinded is that they were confused. And so they were led ten miles from the city of Dothan to Samaria 
and had no idea that their desired target was the one who was actually leading them into the heart of the enemy's territory. It's a little bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi telling the stormtroopers, these are not the droids you are looking for. Oh, okay, move on then. The Lord's ever-surrounding presence means that He is protecting His people from their enemies. Yet where we look makes a difference in how we respond. The issue is not if the Lord is present. He is. The issue is, do you look with the eyes of man and respond in fear? Or do you view life's struggles through the eyes of faith and ask the Lord to open your eyes to His presence? When the enemy is at the door, where do you run? This is a very important question for you, Christian. When you are fearful for our nation, for our, for your families, for your own health, where do your eyes turn? Do they go to the news? Do they go to Google? Do they go to WebMD? Or do they go to the Word of God? There's nothing wrong with getting information, but what you need in time of trouble more than information is a knowledge of the presence of God surrounding you. When you feel that the enemy has you surrounded, you need to go to the Word of God and read its promises. Promises like Romans 8.36. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For we are always and forever surrounded by the very presence of God. So we've seen that we're surrounded by God's knowledge. We've seen that we are surrounded by God's presence. And the third thing that we see is that we are surrounded by God's power. In theological terms, we're surrounded by God's omniscience, His omnipresence, And His omnipotence. As we move on in our text, we need to see the comedy of the situation that's playing out. The Syrian army has come to surround Elisha and to seize him. But now he is leading the whole army ten miles from Dothan to the capital of Israel, Samaria. This is where we go to find Elisha? Oh yes, when you get to Samaria, Elisha will be there, I promise. We, we should go right into the very middle of the city. Oh, of course, there's nothing that you need to worry about. Now, when they get to Samaria, the king of Israel sees an opportunity to take the army of his enemy out. He wants to slaughter them. But these are not his prisoners. They belong to the Lord. And though they are surrounded, the Lord will not destroy them. Look at verses 22 through 23 of our text. Elisha responds to the king of Israel, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. 
When their eyes are open, the Syrians could have only hoped for a quick execution. But instead, they receive grace. They are fed and they are freed. It is quite amazing if you think about it. The enemy is in our grasp, but we let them go. Yet what we are learning is that no matter where we are, we are surrounded by God. To open their eyes to this fact, the Lord had to lead them into the very heart of Israel and literally surround them with the army of Israel. God does not take this opportunity to destroy them. He could do that whenever He chose to do it. Rather, He is moving, He is working to show them the reality of His power that surrounds them. He is saying, at any time I could destroy you, for you are completely surrounded by My power. And they get the point. For the last phrase of our text says, And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. They learned a lesson that we all need to come to terms with. That there is nothing that is impossible with our God. There is nothing that He cannot do. And even more than that, He does whatever it is that He desires to do. Psalm 135 verse 6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth and the seas and all the depths. He does whatever He wants to do whenever He wants to do it. How foolish is it then to stand against the purposes of God? You can't outsmart Him. You can't outmaneuver Him. You can't overpower Him. And what this text is telling us is that because we are surrounded, our only hope is to submit to His mercy and His grace. His grace to feed us and to free us. What we have seen is that the Lord surrounds His enemies, but He surrounds His enemies with the purpose to save them, to open their eyes to the reality of His grace. At the beginning of this passage, the Lord was working to save Israel from Syria. But an amazing reversal happens. By the end of this passage, the Lord is working to save Syria from Israel. The Lord surrounds us with His knowledge, with His presence, and with His power that He might save us. For we were once blind, but He has given us sight. We were once deaf, but He has given us ears to hear. We were once children of wrath and at enmity with God. But by His grace, He has led us, a blind sinner, to see His love and His grace offered to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. That all who submit to Him in faith and place their full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be saved. That is what we learned from our text this morning. That we are surrounded by God that He might save us. John Patton was a Scottish Presbyterian missionary to the New Hebrides in the South Pacific. He left his homeland in 1850. And before he left, he was warned by his countrymen that he would probably be eaten by cannibals. And this warning was not without basis. The first missionaries to the New Hebrides were martyred and were eaten by cannibals. The natives practiced 
child sacrifice and widow sacrifice, and therefore they had no problem killing foreign missionaries. When Patton arrived, he was not welcomed, but he was constantly harassed. One man followed him around all day long with a musket, threatening that he would shoot him. And one night in particular, a raiding band of warriors surrounded the Patton's home. They shouted threats and were prepared to kill Patton and his wife. And yet, for some unknown reason, they relented. Patton continued his labors in the New Hebrides. He suffered and he worked and he ministered to this people who at first hated him and his God. And yet soon, men and women and children were drawn to salvation in Christ and were converted from sacrificing their children to placing their trust in the sacrifice of the Son of God on their behalf. Soon the gospel began to ring clear and blind eyes were open and the power of God brought salvation to those who were once His enemies. And by the time of Patton's death, almost the entire island had converted to Christianity. In his autobiography, Patton says that Several years after he had been surrounded in his house, he had opportunity to talk to the chief who had now become a Christian. This chief had led the raid against him and his home so many years ago. And Patton asked, why did you relent from your attack? What stopped you? The chief replied in surprise, well, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, there were no men with us. It was just my wife and me. Well, the chief argued, he said, no, there were many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to encircle the mission station. So the natives were afraid to attack. You see, God surrounds us even when we do not see it. Later, Patton wrote, My heart rose up to the Lord Jesus. I saw Him watching all the scene. My peace came back to me like a wave from God. I realized that I was immortal till my Master's work with me was done. The assurance came to me as if a voice out of heaven had spoken that not a musket would be fired to wound us, not a club prevailed to strike us, not a spear leave the hand in which it was held vibrating to be thrown, not an arrow leave the bow, nor a killing stone the fingers without the permission of Jesus Christ who is all power in heaven and on earth. He rules all nature, animate and inanimate, and He restrains even the savage of the South Seas. Christian, despite what your eyes see, know that those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. And so look to the Lord Jesus in faith. Look to Jesus and see that you are surrounded by the knowledge, by the presence, and by the power of our almighty and saving God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we confess that so often our eyes are blind to see the reality of Your presence with us. Would You now, in this time, give us the grace 
to see that You have surrounded us by Your love. Not that we would be destroyed, but that we might be saved through Your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we do pray. Amen.